the book of Luke, and Luke chapter 23 and verse 44. And I'll just read to you what it says there about the death of Christ. Luke 23 and verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Christ died for us. You know, it's a very important uh, thing and part of what we want to do every Good Friday is to take up a special offering and everything that is collected today goes to a crossover Australia and their uh, Australia-wide um, Baptist uh, group and what they do is help and equip churches in sharing the gospel with the whole of Australia. Uh, they help tell people about Jesus, his death and his resurrection. So in a moment, we're going to have that special offering. I just want to let you know too, before we take that, that offering, is that our Easter, service, our Easter services are on Sunday at 10am and at 6.30pm. And both of those services will be reflecting on uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means to us. In the Sunday mornings that follow, we'll be having a four-week series after Easter and the series is just going to be uh, simply this. Why do bad things happen to good people? And we're going to spend four weeks looking at that in our morning services. So we'd invite you to those as well. As we come now to take up this offering and to give this morning uh, so that the message of Jesus would be spread throughout this land, let's pray together. God, on this Good Friday, we say thanks. Thanks for sending your son to die. Thanks for sending him so that we might be forgiven and have life. And God, as we come now to give, we pray that you would see that this comes from our heart, this giving part of our worship to you, part of our thankfulness. And we pray that you'd take what we give and use it to spread the good news of Jesus, your son, right throughout this country. God, we pray that many lives will be touched and changed through our giving and many people would come to know you as their Lord and as their Saviour. We pray this as we give in Jesus' name. Amen. Our offerings will now be collected.
I wonder uh, whether you kind of feel a little bit uneasy about Good Friday. I wonder uh, whether you, you think, I really thought God was supposed to be a loving God. Uh, he, I thought he was supposed to be a forgiving God. And then kind of Good Friday comes along. God's son, his own uh, dear son, dies the most horrible death. He dies on a cross. And God the Father, on Good Friday, stands back and allows it to happen. I wonder if you ever think, what's it all about? What's going on there? Why didn't he act? Why didn't he stop it? Why didn't he do something about it? You know, if God is, is a loving God, what's going on there? Doesn't he realise the pain that his son is going through? Doesn't he see what might happen? The way he died, it was, it was really horrible. And the cross was was used to kill people. It was an execution, and it was the cruelest possible execution available for two reasons. One, because of the pain that occurred just in the person being nailed to the cross and uh, hung on the cross. But the second reason was because it took so long for the person to die that it wasn't a quick death. It was horrible when they were nailed to the cross and it was horrible because of the time of the death that it happened, you know, that it took for them to die. And God let it happen. Detailed accounts of crucifixion down through history are hard to find. And uh, people reflect on that and say the reason why there's so few accounts of crucifixion is because writers didn't want to write about what took place. The social stigma of crucifixion, the disgrace that was associated with it in the ancient world can hardly be overstated. You can't say more emphatically how horrible crucifixion was. Uh, It was usually just reserved for slaves and for criminals and the worst sort of the lowest people in society, you know, military deserters, um, especially traitors were, were treated with this. In only very, very rare cases were Roman citizens crucified. Even if they'd done the most horrible thing, they were spared uh, crucifixion because of how horrible it was. And for Jews... Well, there was an added uh, stigma to crucifixion because Deuteronomy 21 and verse 23 says, anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse. This was understood by the Jews to mean that the method in and of itself of crucifixion brought a curse from God on the person being crucified. And God let it happen. God let it happen. Mark's gospel simply says this. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice, the charge against him read, the king of the Jews... 
says they crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him. And God let it happen. Uh, I guess the question has run through your mind a couple of times perhaps in your life. If God is so good, why did he allow his son to die? If God is so powerful, why didn't he stop them? If God is a God who I can trust, then how come his own dear son wasn't spared and saved? You might have paused more than once or twice in your life to ask that question. Is God a God who lets his own son die? A God who I can follow? Is God who lets him be brutally killed? Someone who I can follow? Is he really a God of love? You know, the surprising thing about this is when we go to the Bible... We don't find relief. I mean, when you look to the pages of the Bible to see whether, uh, you know, whether God really, there's a reason, uh, you know, that he perhaps was away at the time or he didn't see it or he didn't know it, you know, you you don't find that in the Bible. In fact, when you go looking, you start to realise that God, actually, it was his will that his son would die. Look what this says in, in Isaiah 53 verse 10. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And you think, what's going on? It was the Lord's will. So as we come now to this, uh, the Bible this morning, and as we look at the passage I want you to reflect on, why don't you turn with me to John 3.16 and we'll we'll look there. And while we're going there together, I want you to um, think in your mind, why, why would God allow his son to be so brutally killed? Why would he die in such a way? Why would God allow that? Let's turn there, John 3, 16. And here it says the reason why God allowed his son to die. It begins this verse and it says, For God so loved the world. Well, I want you to notice it's saying God is a God of love and he loves, he loved the world. Now, I don't want you to just realise that he just loved the world. He so loved the world. He deeply loved the world. From within him is a great love for the world. Now, first century readers who were, or listeners who were hearing Jesus say these words would have been fine at the start. God so loved, they would have been fine. We know God is a God of love. But when it says the world, they would have been shocked. God so loved Israel, yes, perhaps. God so loved the Jewish nation, yeah, we can agree with that. But God so loved the world, what? 
people understood that the world was not like we refer to the world, you know, like with the North and South Pole and we've got all the different countries and we think when we say the world, that's what we mean. To, to Jesus and to those who were listening, when he said the word world, people knew that it was the race, the human race, those who were fallen and who were far from God, those who had organised themselves in such a way that they were rebelling against God and organising life in such a way that ignored God. And the listeners would have been hearing this and said, this is staggering. God so loved, deeply loved the world. Those that are sinful, those that are far from him, how could God do that? The Bible clearly says that sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59 says that, that your sin has cut you off from God and has separated you from him. So that a holy God who is holy and sinless and pure cannot have a relationship with fallen, rebellious man, people far from him. There's a barrier, there's a separation. And so the listeners would have been saying, God so loved those who are in rebellion and against him and sinful, that would have been surprising. And it, 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 Jesus goes on to say, God so loved the world that he gave. And he gave his one and only son. His one and only son, Jesus. The one in whom he, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, through all of eternity had been in loving relationship with. He gave up his one and only son. Now, you know, if love uh, can be seen in the value of the gift that's given, like if you can measure love by the value of the gift given, this gift is immeasurable. Uh, And God's love is overflowing, overwhelming, because he gave his one and only son. And he gave him up uh, to begin with in a manger, but he gave him up to be hung on a cross, insulted, uh, spat at, hurled insults at, and left to die. He gave his one and only son to be treated that way. You might be wondering, why? Like, why couldn't God just have given us 12 long stem roses, each person in the whole world, to show his love? Why couldn't he have given us like two weeks on Hamilton Island and just said, you can have that every year? Or wouldn't, imagine if he just put a million dollars into our bank account. Wouldn't that be love? But you know what? God made us and he knows our deepest needs. And he knows that sin separates us from him. And so he gave us the only gift that could reconcile us to him. The only gift that could bring us back into a relationship with him that he had created us for. So his love for the world was so strong, 
so loved that he gave his son so that you and I and every person in the whole world can be reconciled. Now, how can that be? How can a death on a cross actually, uh, from a God who's demonstrating his love through allowing his son to die as a gift to me, make any difference in my life at all? And look what it says here in um, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his love for us, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, rebellious, away from him, Christ died for us. For us. That means instead of us. It means in our place. So what this is actually saying here, that uh, God sent his son Jesus Christ because he loved us and he didn't want us to have to pay the penalty for the things that we had done wrong, the sin that we had done, the way we'd turned our back on him. So God allowed Jesus to die for us instead of us in, his, in our place. He was effectively saying, God was saying, I will allow my son to take all these things on himself. And you might say, okay, God loves me so much that he sent his son to die for me. That's great news. But poor old Jesus gets a rough deal. I mean, he must have wished he'd never been God's son because he's just the innocent victim in all of this, isn't he? Didn't he just get caught up in God's desire to show his love for the world and Jesus had to lose his life for it? Do you know, it says that Jesus wasn't just an unlucky victim. The Bible says that Jesus willingly laid down his life for you and I. He did it willingly, he did it lovingly, and he did it of his own accord. Listen to what John 10, 17 to 18 says. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, Jesus said, only to take it up again. He said, no one takes it from me, not even those that are nailing me to the cross, not even those that are hurling insults at me, not even God who's allowing it to happen. But Jesus says, I lay it down of my own accord. Here we see not only God the Father loving us so much that he sends his son, but Jesus willingly dying because he loves us. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I'll lay down my life for the sheep. And perhaps most telling is the verse, not John 3.16, but 1 John 3.16, which says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. I want you to know this morning, the power of the cross is that it speaks overwhelmingly of the love of God for you. And not just you, but everyone in the world. The power of the cross is that it speaks overwhelmingly of Jesus Christ and his love for you. Overwhelmingly. He died so that you can be forgiven and you can know him. What a God. 
What a saviour. What a day for giving thanks. So how do you respond to someone who gave everything, gave his life away so that you might come to know him, be forgiven and receive his love? You know, the the verse uh, that we looked at before finished off and it says, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The greatest response that you can do this Good Friday, the greatest thing that you can do today is put your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe in him. Believe that God loves you and that he sent his son to die on a cross And that when he died, he was dying for you in your place, taking upon himself your sin, taking upon himself all the things that you have done against God. Believe. It's the first thing that you can do. The second thing I think you can do is to receive all that God has you. Receive his love. We've heard this morning about the incredible love that God has, that he so loved you. And is opening your arms and saying, God, thank you. I receive it. I remember when um, our daughter, Alex, was very young and um, we went swimming lessons and uh, there was a time when she really was afraid of the water. And she, we actually had to stop the, the swimming lessons because she would just cry and scream, you know, and we, we, had, to, we had to stop giving her lessons. I remember uh, one day we sort of were going down and, and just trying to get back in and uh, get her back into being comfortable and ready in the water again. You know, after a while she really warmed up and she went to the top of a slide, water slide, and sort of got to the top. And we said, come on, you can do it, you can do it. We're nervous as can be, Mum and I, uh, Mandy and I, but we're sitting there and we're going, oh, come on, you can do it, you're very brave. And she got to the top and then she kind of turned around and went back down and there's all these kids going, come on, and she had to go right back down. But then as the day went on and as we kept playing around, her confidence started to grow and eventually from the very top, this girl, just three, four years old, um, let go of the edges and went sliding into the water. She plummeted right under the water and we came and rescued her out of the, uh, out of the water. She's just um, so thrilled to have done this. I just want to encourage you this morning. You know what an appropriate response is? To let go. To let go of the fear, to let go of the doubts, to let go of all the things that uh, might be holding you back and say, God, if you loved me this much, if you so loved me this much, you know my response is I'm just going to believe it and by faith receive it. Just plunder 
all that you have for me. I'm going to say yes to you. I'm going to let go and give my life to you. Receive your love. Uh, Today, Good Friday, many people will be doing things to mark the day. You have uh, come to the service and people all across Australia and all around the world will be remembering the death of Christ today. Uh, there'll be people today like uh, David Miles, who I saw on the back page of the paper yesterday, who'll be wearing a black band and a cross as he plays footy today to show to everyone that this is a very significant day to him, for him. There'll be others today that will uh, pause at three o'clock this afternoon and just give thanks to what Christ has done. But I want to encourage you today to respond to the love of Christ by believing in him and giving him your whole life. Hold nothing back. He loves you so much that if there was just one person in this world and it was you, he would have sent his son to die for you. He would have sent his son to take your place. Receive him. And the promises from John 3.16 is that you shall not perish, you shall have eternal life. You'll be forgiven and the rest of eternity is available for you. Uh, As you um, leave this morning, uh, we would just love you if you're still thinking about this decision or if you are making this decision for the first time, if you want to know more about what it is to follow Jesus, we have a, a pack today, a welcome pack for people that have come, and in it is uh, the Gospel of Luke on CD, just so you can listen and you can hear about Jesus and you can hear about what he said. As you leave, they'll be at the information desk. That might be one way that you want to believe, start to believe more and receive Jesus. Uh, Whatever you do today and for the rest of your life, respond wholeheartedly to God's love. And why don't you be lost in wonder, overwhelmed at what he's done. So thankful that nothing will stop you from praising him for the rest of your days.